Listen, there has never been a better time to invest in self-storage and there is no better team than ours to show you how to do it because we wrote the book on how to invest in self-storage. Literally, I created the best-selling home study system back in 2007 titled How to Find, Evaluate, Purchase, and Manage Self-Storage Facilities. And since then, we have helped thousands of people launch and scale their self-storage business and have now become the nation's go-to resource for all things self-storage. And that's because we not only talk the talk, we walk the walk day in and day out since 2005 through now two recessions and amassing a 2.5 5 million square feet of self-storage, totaling over 15,000 doors nationwide. There is nobody else that has more experience in self-storage that is teaching people how to invest in self-storage than our team. So if you're ready to launch and scale your self-storage business, then go to selfstorageinvesting.com, click on the events tab to grab your ticket to the upcoming self-storage academy, along with tickets to our virtual academy for those who can't make it or just aren't ready to go live at this time. So that again is selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the event tab, but do it now as seating is limited. So go do it now. And on behalf of my team, we look forward to seeing you then. Take care. This is the Self Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. I'm your host, Scott Myers, and over the past 16 years, we have acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of my incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. Hello, everyone. Scott Myers here. Welcome back to the Self Storage Podcast. And uh, we have now in our booth, uh, Sergio Altamari at the Inside Self Storage at World Expo. So we're interviewing folks that have uh, come through our academies. We're interviewing some of our partners, uh, vendors, uh, select folks. And Sergio is uh, an active investor in the self-storage marketplace. So uh, Sergio, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. My pleasure. Well, Sergio, tell me a little bit about your background and your history and how you got into self-storage. Yeah, so my background's probably a little bit more unique than a lot of folks. Like many, I am on a second career. Started as a W-2, working for the Federal Reserve. I uh, spent 22 years in tech for the Fed, learned a lot about the economy, learned a lot about money management, a lot of things to do, what not to do. Mm-hmm. My wife and I started in getting an interest in real estate investing back in 2012, started with small multifamily, built that up, acquired a few properties, found out that we had access to more deals than we had money to invest ourselves, started syndicating. Uh, we syndicated a bunch of properties, friends and family started raising money. Uh, about 2017 or 16, my wife quit the day job. Uh, she also worked for the Federal Reserve. She was a project manager in IT. She quit the day job. You know, now we had a property management business. We had a syndication firm. So we were building pretty good. Uh, I had a daughter that was born in 2017. And anybody who has kids knows that mm-hmm. children change things. Yep. Right? And so we had that experience. My wife quit the day job 2016. My daughter was born in 2017. Mm-hmm. Interesting enough, that was where I got my biggest promotion at the Fed. I was an executive doing enterprise architecture strategy work for the U- U.S. Department of Treasury. Mm-hmm. And when my daughter was born, trying to support family, day job, and the business started to strain things a little bit. Mm-hmm. So decided in August of 2017 that it was time for me to go as well. We said, all right, we're going to go all in on the business interesting enough, 2018, we started rebranding our company. We wanted to look a little bit more professional. Everything we had done so far was me building the website, logos, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So 2017, uh, 18, we went through that. Looking at the market cycle there, we were 10 years in an expansion cycle. Mm-hmm. We expected to get into larger apartment complexes. I did all the underwriting, couldn't find a deal that made any sense. I, to this day, I still don't understand how investors in multifamily mm-hmm. find anything that makes sense. So we said, all right, well, 
that doesn't make sense. And we believe that there's a market downturn coming, just cyclical. Mm -hmm. What else should we invest in? Started dabbling in self-storage looking or looking at other asset classes. We landed on two. Manufactured home communities or mobile Mm -hmm. home parks and self-storage. Through podcasts and programs like yourself, started Mm -hmm. learning the industry, bought all the books, Mm -hmm. right? Read all the books. Personally talked to you. Thank you, Scott, Mm -hmm. for a lot of your mentorship. Talked through some deals. And, you know, at that point, it was just a matter of let's look at the asset class, go through some underwriting, what Mm -hmm. makes sense, what doesn't, learn the industry well. We put out a message out to our investors. We want to make a strategic pivot. We did. They were on board with it. It was very important for us to be proactive in conveying our strategy and our thesis. Uh, They bought into it. 2018 and into 19, we started selling off the multifamily. Mm -hmm. We recapitalized our investors, bought our first self-storage property in 2019, which is actually teed up as we speak to be sold. Mm -hmm. I'm going to 2x that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then from there, it was a matter of, okay, 2020 happened. That's a mulligan for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the middle of the year, we started to realize that trying to do this all ourselves was a lot of work, mm-hmm. right? So we read the book, Who Not How, mm-hmm. uh, E-Myth, you know, Traction, all of the business books. And I said, all right, because if not, all I have is a permanent job. Mm-hmm. Started to recognize the power of economies of scale, Continue to down the path of studying a lot of people that have come through your program. So thank you for your listeners as well. Those that are part of that. And then started scaling it. We brought in some partners, those that are good at raising capital, those that are good at finding deals, underwriting, you name it. As of right now, here we are, 2021. We bought 10 properties, one this year. We're at 12 stores, three states, mm-hmm. and now just onward and forward. Mm-hmm. So as uh, for the folks that are listening out there, everybody understands and they gets that they understand the concept of economies of scale. And there's just certain things that happen when you get to a certain level with regards to management, with regards to you know, usually those positions in your organization. You know, we always talk about you know the the, the five essential you know, people in your business, or, or essentially you know that lead crew from acquisitions to uh, the folks that are raising uh, private equity to the management behind the scenes, you as a visionary, and then an executive assistant who kind of you know moves and keeps everything going forward. But you can't out of the gate, or many people think out of the gate, I can't afford the payroll of bringing five people on uh, full time. You know, that salary load is uh, pretty hefty and, uh, until we get to that place where you know, cash flow is at X. Yeah. So talk to people about your journey through that process uh, from going, you know, do I get to a certain income level before I bring these people on? Or do I say, hey, we're going to not necessarily burn the ships, but we're going to commit to growing and growth won't happen if I'm still trying to do everything. I need to have folks that are you know, in these separate areas. Um, yeah. How did you navigate that journey? Yeah, and that's a really good point. And the who, not how was really a, it didn't just happen overnight. The recognition came over time that, you know, you read a book like E-Myth and it says, you know, you're a technician and then, you know, what you have is a job, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a business, right? Mm-hmm. And so the recognition, similar to way that we, buy real estate and invest in real estate, you have to invest in your business, right? And so mm-hmm. a lot of folks have this misconception that I can't afford to hire the right people mm-hmm. because I don't have the money. And when the money comes, I will be able mm-hmm. to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, in our case, we invested wisely in buying our first properties. And I will be the first to tell you is we took the profits of some of our exits on our multifamily mm-hmm. and reinvested it in people, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. so- it's really important. You get mm-hmm. to the point, to your point earlier, different stages of growth where 
it's important to recognize that what got you there will only get you so far. Right. Even if you have the greatest systems and processes in place, and I'm a systems, I'm an IT mm-hmm. guy, right? That is my bread and butter. I recognize that those systems have been designed at that level. They're not built to scale. Mm-hmm. In order for me to build to scale, you look at any you know study franchise models, right? And how everything is the same. You have to build your systems and process the scale where then you either apply technology or people to take that to the next level, but it requires investment. And whether you're going to get that, the funds either get really good at underwriting your business to where you can forecast and, you know, revenue. And for me, it's acquisition fees, right? So I take my acquisition fees, which that give me in terms of runway. I'm not going out. I'm not going to the Bahamas with that, right? You have to start living lean to be able to do that and then build the processes that are going to get to the next level. A lot of it is trial and error. A lot of it is failing forward. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer is, you know, I say any day you don't learn something new is a wasted day, right? So no matter how old you are, you have to learn. I like to learn to sequentially. It's one thing to study, you know, Donald Trump when it comes to real estate investing, Mm -hmm. but there was a sequence. There's a number of steps, right? So you have to study the next step, right? Study the step after that, right? And when you're talking to mentors like yourself, Scott, it's about, tell me about your journey, right? Mm -hmm. I'm at this stage. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do to get to the next stage? And realize that it's a long game, right? It's an opportunity to do it over five, 10 years. I'm not one of those guys. I establish high-level visions in my head five to 10 years out, but I'm not putting together some elaborate thing that's going to say, I got to do X, Y, Z. I think in multiples. Every year, I want to multiply what I'm doing. If I do one year deal this year, I want to do two. Mm-hmm. If I do two, I want to do four. And that's how you have to think. A lot of people have this idea. Well, if I do 10 years, 10 deals, one deal per year over the next 10 years, you're not built to scale. Mm-hmm. You're built to do exactly what you're doing. That's yep. too cookie cutter. Yep. So mm-hmm. that's my philosophy. Yep. It is, you know, systems run the business and we manage and tweak the system. I'm a firm believer in uh, Michael Gerber and the E-Myth and, you know, we achieve that and Fortunately, we're in an industry which is not easy. It's not simple, but we are set up. Our industry is set up to be able to achieve the e-myth or come darn close uh, to that. And so that is one of the other things that I'm attracted to, attracted me to self-storage. But one of the questions I want to have for you, Sergio, is that, you know, most people, including myself, we've been at this for a long time and we buy one facility in our first year in the business, maybe two the next or three. And then some folks, you know, that it steamrolls and they get really good at raising uh, capital and then they uh, start buying multiple. You know, in one year, you bought 10, 11 properties. Um, yep. So tell me a little bit about how you look at then exit strategy and timing for that. If they were individual purchases, you know, you're looking ahead when you bought these at your exit strategy, you had a plan in mind in 2021 that we're going to exit yep. in this year, I'm assuming, Tell me about those decisions on your exit strategy that factored into the acquisition side in, in 2021. So one thing, the area, one of the aspects, if not probably the top um, aspect of self-storage that I love the most is your ability to take individual properties and create a strategy that combines properties, right? So when I look at our acquisition strategy and I look at, I study the big players, your public storage, your cube smarts and whatever. And what do they do? They leverage their one, their brand power, mm-hmm. their economies of scale, and their operations efficiencies, right? So if you put all those together, and, and then obviously the, the systems and processes built to grow and scale, when I look at that model, if my target design of my systems and processes are at that level, I'm going to be able to grow pretty good, right? I'm not targeting, I'm not going to be cube smart tomorrow, but if I build those systems and processes, mm-hmm. 
So when I look at the strategy around their acquisitions, I look at it same way that we look at a property where it's individually located. What is the market? What is mm -hmm. the demographics of that market? What is the employment opportunities in that area? Mm -hmm. I evaluate our portfolio that well. And now I've built a team that studies that, right? Mm -hmm. So now I'm getting elite level at that data and that intelligence. But our strategy has been once I established, okay, we want to, I mean, self-storage is great. You implement site link storage or whatever on the back end, right? Mm -hmm. You snap these properties in. Now you're managing everything from a central console, right? You get the brand power, right? So now mm -hmm. our brand is Hearthfire self-storage, right? So to the average person, they don't know. Mm -hmm. but when you see two of them, yeah. okay, now mm -hmm. you know that, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And the expectation is that you get the same look and feel similar mm -hmm. to your Starbucks or McDonald's, right? So you follow that model. For us, it was constructing a portfolio of properties, knowing that I'm analyzing, underwriting them individually, mm -hmm. but then I'm also evaluating them from our, for investors for a portfolio exit, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And that portfolio exit, my timeline for each property is generally five to seven years is what mm -hmm. we promote to our investors. I'm targeting three to five years. And that yep. three to five years... I need that capital event to where I can generate the maximum return to our investments, mm -hmm. right? I can't get the 15% plus IRR if I don't do something, yep. right? Mm -hmm. You can hold it infinitely. However, if you look at the time value of money, yeah. over time, like right now, if you're not getting 10% return in cash, you're losing money, yeah, right? Exactly. Inflation is yep. killing you, right? Yep. So, so we evaluate it from a portfolio standpoint. We try to mimic what the big boys are doing, mm -hmm. leverage the economies of scale, and then my exit strategy is have a capitalization event, uh, recap, uh, uh, refinance, to cash out, exit to larger private REIT, maybe a public REIT, mm -hmm. become a private REIT. So I want the flexibility on the back end. Maybe I have a couple dogs in the bunch. Maybe I have a couple front runners where I can analyze the portfolio and say, mm -hmm. let me sell this one off. Yep. Let me sell yep. this one off. Yep. Right Now I also have a shifting portfolio. The first property we bought, which is teed up for sale, now doesn't fit the model long term, mm -hmm. right? It got me in. Mm -hmm. However, I can still leverage. It's still part of the brand and, you know, whatever. I'm selling mm -hmm. that off. Mm -hmm. You see it all the time. I mean, a yep. Cube Smart goes for sale. An extra space mm -hmm. goes for sale. Mm -hmm. They have first dibs on buying it. Mm -hmm. You know, so you take that. I mean, it's really unique in self-storage. I mean, yep. that's, that's the way that I think about it. Mm -hmm. It's just how do you leverage that? All of the aspects that you can combine. Even when we're buying properties, if I'm going to go into an area or a market, I want to plant a flag where I can acquire multiple properties, mm -hmm. right? Because now I can leverage the same employees, right? So now mm -hmm. when I'm looking at the underwriting, the underwriting says I need one person 20 hours. Well, I got to shop down the street. I don't need the 20 hours there. Yeah. It's, it's the beauty of it, right? Mm -hmm. You just got to think a little bigger and, you know, follow what the big boys are doing and just emulate the model. Yeah, 100%. You know, we... um. As I mentioned in my uh, talk yesterday, uh, I think so many people want to demonize the REITs for coming into a market and driving rents down when they build or buy a facility. And I think they're the greatest gift into a market because even if they do happen to drive the rates down a little bit, uh, guess what? As soon as they lease up, they're going to be pushing rates and, and yep. it's a gift to the rest of the market um, if there isn't somebody already driving rates. Um, so that's one. And second is that they've got, you know, the REITs have a lot of marketing dollars. And they have a lot of dollars in general to hire some very smart people. Exactly. And so you know, exactly. we just reverse engineer what they're doing and we can learn a lot from what they're doing in our markets. And yeah. it's even better if we can pull into a market where there's at least one or two of them yep. you know, that we can learn from. And so, you know, ab absolutely it's a benefit. So came into the show, maybe you did or didn't have uh, any questions that you were looking to get answered when you got here. What have you heard 
um, the show that maybe changed the way you're looking at your approach or your plan for the balance of 2022 or even further into the future? Yeah, so going back to, and it plays into this, going back to the, you know, the scale. When I was at a show like this, when I first started, I was at all the vendors looking at different pieces of what I needed to fix at a facility, mm-hmm. right? Now that I have a team and a third-party manager that handles that, that's no longer my concern, right? Mm-hmm. Now my concern as the strategist for my mm-hmm. investments is to what is the market telling me, right? And so talking between brokers, vendors, and you know anybody that's willing to share, individual owners, mm-hmm. my job is now to pick up patterns, right? And pick up patterns and, yep. and what are we seeing and what are we hearing, right? What do we know, right? What do we know is mm-hmm. we know that It's a seller's market right now, Mm -hmm. right? We know that inflation is here to stay. We know that interest rates are going up, right? And, you know, depending on who you talk to, there might be a market downturn, correction, recession, whatever you want to call it, in the horizon, whether that's six months, a year, 18 months, whatever. Just follow the cycle. What I've taken away from this show and talking to some guys that have done, you know, not to name names at different brokerages that have done hundreds of millions of dollars in transactions over the last few weeks, right? Yep. They talk to a lot of people and a lot of people going to your point earlier with a lot of money and a lot of data. Mm-hmm. I don't need that data. I need mm-hmm. to trust what they're doing and follow what they're doing. So I'm looking at this and saying my value add strategy doesn't apply long term, mm-hmm. right? You have to start to evaluate the price per square foot on acquisition, right? If I'm, if prices are, people are selling properties at $250, $300 a square foot, and I know that even with inflation, I can build at 80, 100, 120, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe I need to start to look at that. So the tea leaves that I'm reading is, one is that we expect cap rates to go up, mm-hmm. you know, whether yep. that's June, July, August, doesn't matter. We also know that in any market, there are deals to be had. You've got to be even more selective, tighter underwriting, where you get more conservative in our underwriting, which we are now. Mm-hmm. And what else is emerging, right? What I've heard is RV and boat yeah, storms, absolutely. right? You know, and, and I've heard a number of folks uh, say, yeah, but there's no data. And I perk up and say, that is the opportunity. You don't want to wait till everybody has the data, yeah. right? So we're going to go back. Uh, we're going to start evaluating, continue to evaluate our underwriting, underwrite even more conservative, higher interest rates, expect rates to normalize and not be 10% year over year. Look mm-hmm. at ground up construction. Look at what are the opportunities there. Look mm-hmm. at RV, boat you know, storage, mm-hmm. dive in deeper. And for me, then it's a matter of conveying what I've learned here and my team has learned here out to our investors, adjust our strategies going forward. Uh, An investor wants to invest with somebody who not just follows, but in some cases, I don't want to be a trailblazer. I'm not going to go to be the first in the pool, but you know, I'll be second or third, adjust and not worry about it, Mm -hmm. but look at the opportunities. Mm -hmm. You know, there's many ways that you can boil down the the approach to the market. And we learned from the last downturn that we wanted to be in a position to be opportunistic. And that meant that we needed to increase our, our database of folks all across the board, but mainly our lender Rolodex and our private equity side so that we yep. know that there's going to be opportunities um, like we saw in 2008 where there's going to be some projects that are going to be troubled. Uh, some owners that maybe got uh, over their skis, didn't build some value into their facilities, can't refinance, uh, maybe forced to sell. 
And so that's what we've been uh, poised to do is to, to be able to, to come in and to that place and, and hopefully solve some problems and pick up some properties in the meantime. But at every turn, it's all about putting yourself in that position to you know, be opportunistic and also to have options in your property. One of the things that we talked about yesterday again in our session is that you have to, regardless of whether you think you're going to sell in five years, that doesn't mean you wait till year four to start driving in a Y, you know, so that you have a trailing 12 months uh, behind you to maximize. It means that the day you buy it, you need to be driving in a Y and you need to be doing that religiously, you know, week in, week out, month in, month out um, so that you have the opportunity no matter when to be able to exit. And if not, then you're enjoying the cash flow. So um, it is minding the store, being opportunistic and continuing to focus to put yourself in the best position to do what it is that you want to do and following the plan. You know, it really comes down to being disciplined, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, having a strategy and being disciplined, to it, right? I mean, don't follow the herd, right? I mean, if mm-hmm. everybody says, hey, this is everything, continue to go up and go up and, you know, like, what are they incentivized, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if it's if it's a broker that, you know, is looking to sell properties, they're going to tell you what you want to hear, yep. right? You have to be opportunistic. You have to be able to balance it. I mean, when, and being a fiduciary of other people's money, as you know, you are as well, you can't mess around, right? Yeah. And you have to... You, Again, we're not trying to predict it, right? Mm-hmm. You just have to be prepared. Yeah. That's yeah. it. There's a whole nother level of responsibility when you start investing for other folks. And uh, even though we take on accredited investors, that is a position that you don't ever want to be in where you have to apologize for not meeting your projections or worse. And so we take that very seriously. And anybody out there who's looking to, I mean, it's again, conversations we've had at this show has been predominantly about the funds. There's a whole lot of funds, you know, whether somebody's starting in the, in the industry, starting their own fund. And then uh, we've seen a lot of hedge funds and others that have been created to come into self stories because of the yield and all the press. And once again, you have to mind the store much better and much more closely and know what you're doing when you're taking other folks' money. Yeah, that said wonderfully. And some of the larger players, their you know their return strategy is different than ours, mm-hmm. right? They don't have to generate the returns; their cost of capital is low. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, you know, you just again is being disciplined and yeah. having a strategy and recognizing that. Yeah. Well, Sergio, congratulations. You've done extremely well. Uh, thanks for taking a little bit of time out today. I know uh, you and I both have spent a lot of time uh, talking and our voices are uh, you know, yeah. about at the limit, but I appreciate you taking the time today. Anything else you want to share with our uh, maybe words of wisdom to Storage yeah. Nation out there? Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a matter of, um, you know, just follow the path of folks that like yourself, Scott, I mean, who've done it that, mm-hmm. you know, that can instill wisdom and continue to do just learn. I mean, if you wanted to follow me or learn with uh, what we do, investwithsergio.com, mm-hmm. you know, get you to everything that we do, connect on LinkedIn. What I love about self-storage is the community. Mm-hmm. Everybody is transparent, open, and honest. And mm-hmm. the words of wisdom I have is when you close on the property, that's when you got to get into execution yeah. mode. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And that is the most important is executing your plan yep. day one, not mm-hmm. take a break and go to the Bahamas for a month. Do it now. Execute and real estate self storage. It's very forgiving, mm-hmm. even in down markets. You have a strategy, so just stick with it and just keep thinking in terms of multiples and grow. Yeah, well said. I wouldn't add anything to that. Uh, thanks, Sergio. I appreciate you. Appreciate time. it. Thanks, thanks Scott. Everybody. Take care. Hey, gang. Wait three things before you leave. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram, and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the follow and subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.